Hello everyone, this is Opposing the Matrix. It is, uh, let's see, what is the date today? I got, 16th. I'm on a Mac, I'm, yeah, thank you, the 16th of September. I'm on a Mac, it's, I mean, on a PC now, not a Mac, and it's, it's down in a different area. So, um, so September 16th, and uh, Opposing the Matrix, and uh, you've got Dave here, and uh, Jim and Eric, hi guys. Hey, Hello? everybody. Yeah, and then hi, we have... Special guest tonight, Gordy Tong from uh, way up in our northern neighbor up in uh, Canada, British Columbia. And uh, Gordy is uh, one fantastic researcher. We've had him on before. It's It's been too long. We have to have you on more often, Gordy. And, uh, uh, and he's going to explain to us some new research that he's done. And uh, just to kind of give you a framework of where we may be going, folks, uh, uh, Gordy asked us earlier if we still had our PAPSI site up. We used to have something called the uh, Paranormal and Alien Abduction Problem Solvers International. Boy, is that a mouthful. Um, and uh, we, we noticed that we weren't getting many, uh, many more calls uh, about alien abduction. As a matter of fact, it kind of dwindled down to nothing. And we always wondered what happened. Well, lo and behold, Gordy is going to provide us with the answer to that tonight. So... Um, Gordy, uh, go ahead and introduce yourself, if you if you would please, and um, and uh, and just feel free to just take off with uh, with whatever you want to talk about. Okay, so I'll turn it over. I'll turn the helm over to you, Captain. Oh, okay. Well, you can ask questions along the way too, but uh, like um, you know, sometimes questions help me to stimulate uh, sure. certain thought. Um, but anyways, uh, briefly, my background is that I became a Christian in about 1968. Um, uh, I was attending university, and somebody gave me a copy of uh, Dave Wilkerson's book on the cross and switchblade. Okay, so my background is at the time was in science. I, you know, my brother he was kind of new agey, and he was involved with. Uh, he had an interest in UFOs. He later told me he was a contactee. I didn't believe it at the time. I thought that's crazy. How could you be a a contactee? But uh, Anyways, because he was getting involved with New Age stuff and interest in UFOs, I started to research it after I became a Christian. And then I started to notice that in, in the early 80s in Vancouver, there were a lot of people that were attending conference, like uh, kind of New Age conferences. And there was a big one out at GBC, my, my university, in the student union building called the um, Human Unity Conference. And again, there were people from different religions that spoke and Benjamin Krem was there talking about the, the Christ. But they had a workshop on the UFO subject, and there were people from UFO, bees, uh, UFO um, the Flying Saucer Club. There was a Flying Saucer Club that attended. It was the president of that club that joined before he passed away. Anyway, so I started to research the New Age movement, and then later I heard that, you know, the New Age movement seemed to have a component to it that was interested in aliens 
and making contact with aliens. And then Shirley MacLaine came out in the early 80s with her book and film uh, Out on a Limb, which talks about her experiences with people that were contactees. Okay. And she right. made it, uh, but she showed a really interest. So the UFO New Age movement was coming together even back in the early 80s. And then at that time, there was something called the Harmonic Convergence. It was happening at various sacred sites and, and special power places like Mount Shasta. And I got a newsletter at the time saying that people were going there to make contact with higher galactic intelligences, <laughs> and namely from UFOs. So these were people wanting to establish contact. Okay? Right. So anyways, fast forward. Well, well, during the early 80s, I met a fellow who had a Jewish background. His name is Lauren Goldfader. I don't know if he's still alive. If he is, pray for him. But he wanted to become a contactee. He was a UFO researcher who I knew. I knew a number of UFO researchers back then. And Lauren worked for the post office. And he attended a talk at Simon Fraser University where Dr. Stephen Greer gave a talk. Um and presented the protocols on how to become a contactee. Now, Lauren Goldfader was not an abductee. He was interviewing and, uh, you know, researching the abduction phenomena. But he, you know, he wanted to use the protocols that Dr. Stephen Greer taught to become a contactee himself. So he told me he was using strobes and uh, symbols on a turntable and somehow... He was going to UFO hotspots and shining these symbols up into space. Uh, other people use meditation. They point lasers up. At the UFO meetup group, I met some other people that were trying to be contactees, and some of them were part of the C-SETI group. Uh, there were some contactees there, uh, abductees as well. But gradually, uh, you know, I started to hear more about the contactee phenomena than the abduction phenomenon, although there was a few people that were abductees. Um, so anyways, um, anyways, uh, that's an introduction to how I got interested. But my brother, he claimed he was in Mission BC, where there's a, a Catholic abbey. And he claimed the UFO landed up at the mission site, the mission grounds. And again, some kind of, or not again, but... He said some human-looking humanoid being came out of the UFO, and it wasn't an abduction. He was invited aboard, and he was scared. He didn't want to go aboard the UFO, and he told me that you know this happened to him. I I wrote it off as you know this is crazy. It's delusional. <laughs> I didn't think he had any experience. But fast forward just a couple of years ago, I was at in Mission BC. I went up to the Abbey grounds for the first time. There's a big Benedictine Abbey there. Mm -hmm. and, and people were seeing UFOs over this Abbey, strange lights. I, I met a, a photographer from some Eastern European country, and he said he was monitoring UFO activity over the Abbey. So when he said that, you know, um, and I had a friend who lived, I have a friend who lives in Mission. He's a Christian brother. And he claimed he saw a red UFO over the mission as well. And that area of Mission State Lake, there is UFO activity. There are people disappearing. Uh, 
and and some people are disappear for a while and then they are returned they are changed from this experience they have some of the people kind of you know are, you know don't can't handle it one guy was so um, disrupted by his experience his encounter that he went to the police and told him about it but he was so agitated and so out of it that uh, they tasered him so anyway something is going on in British Columbia where people are trying to make contact with getting back to Lauren Goldfader so he said he was using these protocols and he did eventually make contact and he came to my place once and he said, you know, and I think I'd, I I had or he had some kind of black light that, and that shows stuff under ultraviolet light. Right. And when he, when we put the ultraviolet light over his body, there were some strange marks and I thought they were bruises, but they were not visible with normal light. Oh. Okay. So I thought that was kind of strange. But anyways, he thought uh, he made contact. He, was, he wasn't abducted. He was taken, he claimed, aboard a UFO to some other ground base in Switzerland. And he, he thought he was being chosen uh, to be a healer, to be someone that could heal people. And I thought, well, that doesn't sound too bad. But I lost contact with Lorne. And, you know, somehow, he, you know, he just uh, disappeared from the radar. And about 10 or 15 years later, I got. Uh, I have a friend uh, who does research in Ontario, and she knows a woman that knows Lauren. And I contacted this woman. She was able to give me a, the phone number for Lauren. So I called him up and I said, "Hey, you know, how are you doing?" And I haven't heard from you for a while. And this time, when he was speaking to me, he was not a happy camper. He was not saying, "This is wonderful," you know. I'm, you know, I'm a contactee now, and I'm a healer. No. He became an abductee. He became an abductee. He was going to get burnt. And he said that he said that they're putting implants into my body. And I said, "Well, how many implants do you have?" He says, "I think I have 40." Oh. And and he said and he sounded really paranoid on the phone. And he said, "You know, these beings are creating poltergeist activity in my apartment." They have a cloaked UFO uh, that lands near my neighbor in my neighborhood, and they're abducting other people in my neighborhood, and taking them sometimes to deep underground bases. Or, you know, he was saying that scary things were happening to him and people in his neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And and so I said, I said to him, um, uh, uh, Lauren. Um, uh, he doesn't know why these abductions were happening, but he said that if he did not cooperate with his abductors, that they can cause pain and bring disease into his body. Uh, I mean, he was actually wearing tinfoil around his body, not just a tinfoil hat. Wow. And he was really scared. I mean, there was poltergeist activity going on. And anyways, um, uh, and then the aliens would speak to him when I was on the phone with Lorne and, and the aliens were telling him, get off the phone. Don't talk to Gordy anymore <laughs> or don't yeah. talk to whoever it is anymore. Nope. So eventually he cut his phone line and I couldn't even talk to him anymore. Oh, no, now, it's going okay, down to madness, man. Okay. Now he, 
he sounded like he was, you know, going crazy. And other people that knew him in this UFO research group called UFO BC thought he was going crazy. Okay. Right. Uh, they didn't think he was, you know, having a good time, but it started off with him wanting to be a contactee and then he became right. an employee. Okay. So I don't know if Lauren is still alive, but an- another person who became a, you know, a, a, maybe a contactee abductee was Graham Conway. This fellow was a British police officer. He came to, to Canada. Uh, he did some work for the Salvation Army. I thought he had a bit of a Christian background. I'm not sure. But anyways, he was researching uh, the UFO abduction phenomenon because it was happening quite a bit back in the 80s. And, and anyways, Lauren, uh, not, he knew Lauren Goldfader, but he himself ended up becoming an abductee. He was trying to help abductees. Some of these abductees were committing suicide. He wrote an article that's still on UFO on the UFO BC website called "The Dark Side of of UFOs." Anyways, so he was saying that maybe there's a he suggested even a demonic aspect to this phenomena. But anyways, he became a he became an abductee himself. Okay, and strangely, after he told a few people and myself that he was an abductee. He picked up a meningitis infection. That meningitis infection killed him, and he died from it. <laughs> here's not here's someone who's not wanting to be a contactee, but he became an abductee just because he got too close to the phenomena. He didn't have spiritual protection or something, and then you know another fellow I want to mention is is Charles Lamoureux. You can pray for Charles Lamoureux. He had he's a professional has a professional nursing background, and he sells uh, medical equipment, you know, for to to hospitals and so on. But somewhere he acquired an interest in the UFO subject, and he wanted to make contact. The equipment he was using was night vision equipment, you know, uh, the video equipment, night vision cameras. He was using lasers as well, and he was tracking uh, with his equipment UFO activity over Vancouver. I heard about him because there was a CBT, CTV, you know, Canadian Television Network interview with him, and he was documenting through his equipment that there was UFO phenomena that was quite frequently seen by himself over Vancouver. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I wanted to talk to him, and I uh, talked to him in person. And then he invited me to uh, a lecture at Simon Fraser University, where I met this professor, uh, Paul Kingsbury, uh, professor of geography from England. And anyways, he was interested in the UFO subject. Somehow at that time, just a few years ago, it was respectable to uh, research things like um, uh, paranormal phenomena at the university level. So he was teaching a course on the subject. And Paul Kingsbury told me later that SFU did allow Dr. Stephen Greer to speak at SFU, the Simon Fraser University. Okay, now Charles Lamoureux was never an abductee as far as I can tell, 
But he started to get a little paranoid himself because as he was starting to shoot lasers at these UFOs that were seen through his night vision equipment, they started to respond to him. They started to come closer (laughs) to his apartment or condo downtown. Sometimes these UFOs would appear as orbs of light of different colors, but they were definitely getting closer and kind of creeping them out a bit. Okay, but anyways, I tried to warn him that this phenomena may not be extraterrestrial. It's internet. I, I said it's interdimensional, likely. And, you know, he thought it was just extraterrestrial, but he came to a conclusion that maybe the extraterrestrial hypothesis was not answering all the questions. Because these things were not appearing as structured craft to him. They were appearing as orbs or plasmas of light or large balls of light, sometimes smaller balls of light of different colors. Mm-hmm. So anyways, so I gave him a warning, and he was heeding my warning. And then he met some other people like himself that came to BC. And they were using similar equipment to make contact. And there's an area just north of, north of Vancouver called Squamish. And they took their equipment up there, and they saw a very bright orb-type UFO, very bright and there's been other people that have seen UFOs up in that valley and near the mountains as well. Uh, I have another friend who's seen UFO activity uh, up there as well. So it, that is a hot spot. But anyways, Charles eventually got involved with some groups in California called Contact in the Desert. It's a very similar type of event he went to. And he was telling me that th- these people we're trying to become contactees through, you know, using uh, technology. Others are use, using uh, meditation, mental intent. And many of these people that are using these methodologies are establishing some type of contact. And there's a group in Vancouver that's a, it's a C-SETI group that's, you know, a branch of Dr. Stephen Greer's group. And so far, they've had... Overall, kind of friendly contact. UFOs would show up when they would shine their lasers up in the sky and do me- meditation. But meditation is part of the protocol. Uh, Stephen Gere was also using uh, puja ceremonies. Well, the head of the fellow the, of the C-SETI group here, his background is Baha'i. Mm-hmm. And that's a very mystical movement. Right. 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 It was started by uh, mystics that were probably part of the Sufi religion, from what I've heard. They claim that some of their prophets, you know, are, you know, uh, what I call kind of a manifestation of God, similar to Jesus. Mm-hmm. But anyways, Stephen Greer had a Baha'i background. I had not, nothing to do. I knew he had a transcendental meditation background. So I believe that when people do meditation or enter altered states uh, through self-hypnosis, uh, uh in self-induced trances. Uh, there's many methods to go into this, what, what is called an altered state of consciousness. In this altered state of consciousness, they can meet beings that are described as ET, described as beings of light, um, sometimes uh, spiritual masters or teachers, if you're a Buddhist. And that, that initial contact involves um, a a person desiring contact and using certain protocols. One is meditation, the other is uh, 
something called guided imagery. Another woman I know, I was running the UFO, uh, uh, UFO hotline that linked people to Papsi here in Vancouver. And one day I got a call from a, a woman from the Exo University. Her name was Brenda. And she was really into science fiction and Star Trek. And one day she thought, she told me, thought it would be really cool to make contact with an alien. You know, I mean, like, look at the aliens presented in Star Trek, like Spock. I mean, some of these people, some of these aliens look very um, cool and attractive and, you know, someone you would like to meet, right? So she wanted to make contact as well. And so she Google searched how to make contact with an alien. And she came across websites introducing some form of meditation and guided imagery. I don't know if the audience uh, or people listening know what guided imagery is. I was going to guided, say if you could explain that to them. Before. Yeah, guided imagery, or it's also being called creative visualization uh, by Shakti Gawain. Mm-hmm. Anyways, it's a way to... Uh, in an altered state, a self-induced altered state, but it involves visualizing. You're told to visualize something. For for instance, um, I'll talk about Valiant Thor later, but some of the visualizations mean you visualize an alien or a UFO in your mind. You visualize that this UFO has landed. You visualize that something has come out of the UFO and is now inviting you aboard. Okay, uh, I will talk about the Bonnie Meyer case later. I mentioned her earlier. Mm-hmm. But anyways, it, it goes with this idea of mental intent. But anyways, Brenda, she did the meditation. She did the guided Im- imagery. And here in Vancouver, nothing happened. But when she was in on holidays in Tokyo, she decided to uh, hook up with a dating service because this woman is not married. She's single. And sure enough, uh, somebody called and introduced himself as a British diplomat. Anyways, they met. And uh, he didn't look like an alien. (laughs) He he just looked like (laughs) someone from England who claimed to be a British diplomat. But this guy was interested in some type of, um, you know, some type of drug yeah, he was saying, uh, you know, where can we get ecstasy or where can we get this or that? And she didn't know where to get the stuff, you know, in Tokyo. But anyways, he had his own uh, couple of bottles. One was kind of a pink bottle and another that looked like uh, grape juice or blueberry juice. And he said, well, if, you know, we can't get this other stuff here, try this. And you have a choice. You can have the blue bottle or or the red bottle. Remember in the movie? Yeah, the Matrix. Yeah, the the red pill or the blue pill. Brenda chose the blue pill. (laughs) Uh, Not the blue pill, but the blue bottle of whatever it was. And she drank it. Okay? Well, after she drank it, guess what? This British diplomat started to shapeshift to look like an alien. (laughs) And I don't... I should have asked her, well, what type of alien... It didn't sound like a scary-looking alien, okay, because she had sex with this alien, okay? Uh, cons- she said it was consensual, but she was under the influence of this uh, 
this whatever drink she was. That blue uh, stuff. I, it sounds like uh, blue microdot. I had that back in the 60s. That was uh, lysergic diphthalamide acid, LSD. It could have been. <laughs> but on her uh, Facebook account, she had a thing about DMT. Oh, yeah. Ah, yeah. Okay. okay. Oh, Here we go. And it could have been. I don't know what it was. She didn't Turn on that third eye. But But there are people that are using DMT and ayahuasca. And even shamans that are meeting beings that look like the graves oh, yeah. and look like aliens that they're depicting it. Some shamans are depicting in their art uh, aliens that look like the graves and UFOs in their shamanic art. That and was uh, mentioned, any of the shamans. Uh, there are shamans, but anyways. So Brenda, um, she called me not necessarily not necessarily to tell me about her own experience. She wanted me to hear a couple of speakers at the Exxon University. One was Andrew Basaji Agile uh, and then Bernie Mendez. Okay, mm. so, uh, but anyways, so she became pregnant, but she had a miscarriage. But she had all the signs of being pregnant, but fortunately for her, it was a miscarriage. Okay, I would like the audience out there to pray for Ben DeMaul, pray for some of the people I've mentioned tonight, Charles Lamoureux. These are people that, hey, they they don't know much about this this kind of interdimensional spiritual alien realm. They they you know from science fiction you think some of the aliens are benign and are here to help us, and and I feel really sorry for them. I try to you know talk to them, but you can talk to them and warn them. But if they do not accept Christ and if they do not have the Holy Spirit. They are still very, very vulnerable. Right. It's not enough just to believe that there's a God, okay? That uh, they have to be introduced to the person of Christ and start to build a relationship with Christ and understand the revelation of Christ uh, and God f- through Scripture. Uh, if that doesn't happen, they don't have much discernment. Uh, exactly. Like I said, James Truthseeker has a Roman Catholic background. He said he was uh, physically abused by his father and his brother. He had a rough time when he was a kid. Mm. And later, for some reason, he got interested in UFOs and aliens. I don't know if it was through science fiction or whatever. And then he became a contactee. Well, the aliens that he made contact with are, are beautiful women. Okay. Have we heard that before? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> uh, the Vilas Bolas case, okay. <laughs> this fellow who, yeah, again, I bet, met a beautiful woman. I asked James, "Is there a sexual sexual um, aspect to this uh, these encounters with the benefactor?" And he kind of hinted, "Yes." Okay, but he didn't go into it. He didn't want to talk about it too much. Right. But he wanted me to watch a Twilight Zone episode called The Chosen. Mm. This is I, a new, that was a new Twilight Zone, This is the newer Zone, version. Right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. If you watch yep. that episode, it's about aliens that look Cuban going door to door in this small town, giving out DV, uh, some kind of DVD. The, in the DVD, if they play it on their DVD player, uh, these aliens that are human looking introduce themselves from, that they're beings from another planet. And they want to save people from this town because this town is about to be destroyed and what destroys this town eventually is a nuclear 
blast from a, from a, from a bomb that blows up that was an A-bomb or H-bomb. But anyways, these aliens are inviting people from the town, and those that want to go are considered to be part of the Chosen. Now, the word Chosen is being used by some contactees now. I was at a UFO uh, uh, a conference in Vancouver a few years ago. Paul Hellier spoke there. Another person was Dr. Rich. I mean, Richard Dolan, one of the top UFO historians. Well, we know Richard, right? Yeah, but there's another fellow who I think he's a Canadian. Um, um, I forgot his name now, but he was saying he he had a uh, PowerPoint show, and he had a PowerPoint of this beautiful blonde um, woman who was supposed to be a contactee of Nabdakti, and he said this woman is a chosen one. <laughs> okay, oh. just like in. In the Twilight Zone episodes, you, mm-hmm. you, know, you have to find these. You can become one of the chosen, is what we're right. told. The audience is told. Now, how do you become a chosen one? Well, one way is to get to know these ones that are already chosen. Okay, and this woman is an extremely attractive woman that was, you know, portrayed as one of the chosen. And then he played. Uh, then this fellow um, played this uh, Neil Diamond song about the UFOs landing, the silver ships are landing. And, you know, this was something good. Hello? There's a... Is that a, a phone coming in? Not here. Uh, no. Okay, okay. Can I continue? Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Please. Okay. I lost the train of thought because of that bell. <laughs> uh, beautiful woman. Okay, okay. Yeah. Anyways. Um, but anyways, getting back to James. He calls himself James Truthseeker. And he's a kind of, you know, a nice person. He's been bullied and abused, you know, when he was younger. And these aliens are promising that they can take him off this planet, that they will give him the keys to a portal. A portal is a means, like it's an interdimensional portal or stargate where he can escape from this world to their world. I mean, the beings that are portrayed in this Twilight Zone episode, they invite various people in the town, you know, and they become the chosen. And then they meet in front of this uh, person's house of a guy who is kind of a skeptic. He thinks that these two people that have come to his door are, you know, some members of a cult. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, even this guy's girlfriend becomes a member of the chosen group. And she's saying, hey, you got to come with us. You know, the, uh, these beings are trying to help you, to, you know. And he doesn't believe it. He shoots one of the aliens, and but, he, you know, they have a, an ability to heal. And they said, well, we made a mistake. We don't think you're one of the chosen. So they leave him behind. Everybody else is taken up into the UFO like in Star Trek, <laughs> you know. And uh, they're gone. And then a nuclear bomb goes off in the background. And this guy is killed. So James Truthseeker tells me, watch this video and you'll know what I'm, you know, what they're telling me. That I need to make, to establish ongoing contact with these beings and at the right time, they're going to save me. Now, this woman at the UFO conference that was presented in the PowerPoint, she was presented as someone that you're supposed to meet and maybe if She's a chosen one. You can become a chosen one yourself. And some of these abductees and some of these contactees 
uh, are being told to direct traffic. Uh, Dr. David Jacobs was uh, interviewing somebody's um, abductees, and they are being given a mission. And the mission, they're given a map, and they're told, on this map, you're supposed to direct traffic, direct people to a certain location in your town or your, you know, your county, and there, these people will be taken. So there's an implication that something terrible is coming, uh, like a third world war, some kind of, you know, some kind of thing that people want to avoid. But if you become a contactee yourself and you become one of the chosen, then you will be rescued. This is highly deceptive. Right. Bonnie Meyer has an evangelical background. She didn't want to believe in UFOs. She thought the whole thing was bunk. And she went to a UFO conference and, you know, to learn about UFOs, to warn her friend that was getting caught up in the UFO phenomenon. But she herself was um, eventually, um, yeah, she had contact experience as she was driving home. A UFO landed in front of her vehicle. She was given, an, uh, she was, um, I don't know, she didn't, she kind of invited herself. She said, I wonder what's inside that UFO. I mean, the alien that came out didn't look very scary, probably looked kind of human. And anyways, when she put out this mental thought, you know, if mental consent, that I want to be aboard the UFO, like Brenda said, I want to make contact with an alien. She gave some type of mental consent that went out there and sooner or later she uh, you know she she had her uh, you know her contact experience so what is going on here what did jesus say about the end times he said hey there's going to be great deception there's going to be lying signs and wonders if they say that jesus or the messiah is out in the desert in the secret chamber don't believe it. There will be people telling you to go somewhere and you're told the Messiah or Jesus or, you know, are you going to be rescued or something? And if you go, you're going to be deceived or you might be taken. All right. But where? When Jesus said two will be uh, out in the field, one will be taken, one will be left behind. Or two people, two people will be in bed. One will be taken and left behind. Most Christians that read that, that have read the Left Behind books or or uh, uh, the, the film, watch the film Left Behind, they think it's great to be left behind and not taken, right? No, sorry, the opposite. They want to be taken. They don't want to be left behind. Right. Are you still there? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. They don't want to be left behind. So uh, if... But then the disciples asked Jesus, well, where are they going to be taken? You know, in Luke, I think Luke 21 and Luke 17, Jesus says, where they're taken, and in some English translations, there their bodies or corpses are, there the eagles will gather. Right. That right. doesn't sound like they're taken to a wonderful spaceship and taken off this planet, or they're going to, you know, meet beautiful alien women. Uh if you watch the film Knowing with Nicolas Cage, has any of you seen that film? I haven't personally. No, I think it's a, it's a remake, isn't it? 
No, it's not a remake. Uh, Nicholas Cage uh, plays a professor. Okay. And he's got relatives and, you know, that are Christians in this film. Okay. He's not a Christian himself, but he's got a young boy. And anyways, in his city or town, there are children that are becoming contactees. His own child becomes a contactee. And these children somehow through alien contact are writing down numbers and numbers and uh, numbers, uh, zeros and ones and numbers. And he deciphers these are latitude and longitudes and times. Oh, yeah, I've seen that movie. That's a great movie. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, yeah. eventually the children are supposed to go to these locations. The adults, you know, um, some of the adults are trying to find their children because they've disappeared. Uh, okay, when the children end up in this place, the UFO lands, it's like a, a ship out of the of the book of Ezekiel, and these uh, human-looking aliens are shape-shifting to look a little bit more angelic now, but they don't have faces. Right. And the, 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 babe, uh, the children are taken aboard the UFO. And again, they're not taken to some horrible place where they're going to be eaten or slaughtered. They're taken to this beautiful planet, and they're becoming the garden. It's like a Garden of Eden, and they're like the new Adam and Eve for this new planet. Everybody right. else is is destroyed by a giant solar flare. Yep, so the, the message of that film is, hey, it might be good to be one of the chosen to, you know, if you're chosen to be taken off this planet. And anyways, Body Meyer, who became a contactee uh, through an uh, initially contactee and then later uh, through channeling, she was told that the, there are aliens that are mass that are going to mass evacuate people on this planet. Some of these aliens are good. Some of the aliens are bad. Is what she's being told. Right. She thinks that the aliens that she's meeting are the good guys, but the good guys and this this alien that looks like a female version of Spock is saying, "Oh, reincarnation is is true," you know, and that. Um, that uh, that Jesus, uh, she was introduced to Jesus aboard this giant UFO later, and this Jesus is the spokesman for all these aliens of different types aboard the UFO. Again, so we're we're getting um, introduced to another Jesus, right? And like I say, Valiant Thor is introducing people to another Jesus who is strangely very quiet. Most of the spiritual teaching from Valiant Thor is from Valiant Thor and his, and maybe some members of his crew. And the teaching is very spiritual teaching, how to use guided imagery to create a magic door. Once you have this magic door in your mind, you can go through this door and you can go to this Garden of Eden where you will receive further contact and instruction with people there. Okay, so guided imagery is now being used by Christians I know some Christians in the Vancouver area, and even from 15, 20 years ago, that were using guided imagery to make contact with Jesus. Yeah. But is it the real Jesus they're making contact with? Because one of the, uh, there was a, um, there was um, uh, a fellow and his wife, and they were introducing people in their Bible study group to something called, uh, they didn't have a name for it at the time, but it's being call, called uh, maybe Christian 
uh, Christian meditation. In the book um, with Richard Foster, there's a chapter on Christian meditation. It's not just normal meditation. It's you have to visualize Jesus Christ in your mind. Right. Imagine yourself, you know, you're in bed. Suddenly, you know, the ceiling opens up and you can see the stars. You're supposed to imagine yourself going into space. You're among the stars now. And you see a bright light coming towards you. That light is Jesus, you're told. Now, as Jesus comes up to you, you're supposed to talk to this Jesus. Now, Valiant Thor is saying something very, very similar. And then he said you can experience other dimensions. That's what, is, uh, that, that's what he taught to the inner circle. And uh, anyways, Craig Campbell Basso, who is the present contactee for Valiant Thor, uh, he has made contact with other types of aliens, but he believes that these aliens have a very spiritual message for mankind, that they're here to help us. Maybe there's some bad guys, okay, but there's beings that are highly evolved or highly spiritual. Guess who else is saying the same thing? Our minister, the former minister of defense, Paul Hellier. I heard him speak at UBC, and I heard him speak at the conference that Richard Dolan was at. He's written a book, Light at the End of the Tunnel. I got a copy of his book, and I read his chapter on UFOs. Stephen Greer has been debriefed on the UFO subject by Dr. Stephen Greer and by Shirley MacLaine. And he's being told that, that there are good aliens and bad aliens, and some of the some of the good aliens are going to give us science and technology and, you know, it's going to be, uh, you know, something wonderful for mankind. If, and Dr. Stephen Greer is saying the same thing. Dr. Stephen Greer, though, doesn't think there are any bad aliens. But among people that call themselves, uh, uh, that are part of something, a worldwide movement called ExoPolitics, uh-huh. like the Exo University that was here in Vancouver, is part of exopolitics. It's a worldwide movement. There's an exopolitics group in Hong Kong. They have meetings in Australia and New Zealand. And many of the people in this exopolitics movement are either researchers or they are contactees. Right. They have a term called exoconsciousness. Exoconsciousness is the abilities that the aliens have, telepathic, telekinetic, extrasensory. These are abilities that your children can have. If you right. become an abductee and you have children, they can have these abilities too. So they're saying, anyways, um, there's so many things jumping at me right now because there's like there's a lot of facts out there, but I'm trying to tie the dot, tie the, connect the dots. But anyways, Paul Hellier believes that some of these aliens are evil. Dot, uh, um, Andrew Basagiagio, he said he's been involved with, you know, uh, te- teleportation, time travel, um, mind control type of experiments at, initially at Montauk and uh, at uh, Camp Hero in, in New York uh, Island. Later on, he was involved with Project Pegasus. There was a his, his uh, associate was Bernie Mendez. I think Bernie is a, has a Jewish background. Uh, Bernie told me he was commissioned by Richard Nixon to be kind of an ambassador to aliens that were working with scientists and engineers and technicians at Montauk. Uh-huh. 
Uh-huh. And he said to, in a conversation to me, because I, you know, Brenda asked me to drive him around and show him the city a bit, so we had a lot of time to chat. And he says, uh, uh, yeah, there are young people that were uh, my lab or uh, abducted into these uh, experiments of time travel teleportation. There were casualties. People died. Okay. Uh, there's survivors of say there were lots of casualties. Okay. But when I asked Andrew, what about, what about aliens? And, you know, some of these aliens are abducting people. People are being terrorized. And he said, well, look at, he said, among any kind of race, you know, you know, you can have good, good people, bad people. You can have good aliens, bad aliens. I asked the same question to Paul Hellier you know, when we interviewed him at the conference. He said, yeah, there's bad aliens and they're involved with things like, you know, maybe underground bases, the Delsey base. But he said, or the deep state. But he says, well, there's the good ones. The good ones are the ones we have to make contact with. So the exopolitics movement is not just about scientific research into UFO phenomena. And a lot of the new UFO conferences are about establishing contact. And there's, like I say, somebody's methods or meditation guided imagery, mental intent, um, using lasers, using sounds from crop circles. There's a whole bunch of methods to make contact. So apparently it's not that hard to make contact. Once you start to make contact, and so, and so far this contact may be benign to begin with. James Trooper Seeker has never had a bad experience. The C. SETI group here, they've made contact. UFOs have showed up when they've used meditation and lasers. And so far, now Charles said, yeah, some of them are getting a bit too close to my apartment. I'm not sure about what their intention is. And he kind of backed off for a while. But now he's met other people that are more optimistic about contact. And so he's joining their group, their their contactee group. So Every year there are a UFO meetup, a UFO groups and meetup groups. Their intention is not just to study this stuff from an academic or scientific perspective. They think the best way to to know about the subject is to make con- direct contact. Right. So yeah. I'm not hearing as much about abductions now, but I'm hearing a lot about the need to make contact and find those people that are chosen and maybe become one of the chosen ones yourself. You know, you were you were saying, Gordy, that um, there was actual evidence of this valiant Thor working with the Department of Defense. I mean, it was actual, yes. I mean, not made up stuff. I mean, real, actual, real documentation to prove that this is a fact. Apparently so. Uh, if you guys can interview Craig Campobasso or watch uh, or read the book, there were people that were at the Pentagon that were very interested and what Valiant Thor had to say, but they were not interested in his offer to heal people and mm. empty our hospitals, you know. <laughs> uh, what they were interested in uh, was something probably to do with how they, uh, you know, uh, how they propel their UFOs, how they right. you know, go from planet to planet or from place to place. Uh, but Valiant Thor didn't want to give them that information, okay? he His offer to allegedly to Eisenhower, and I think Nixon was in on it, was that uh, he could heal our, all our diseases. Now, Valiant Thor did heal uh, Dr. Strange. He was in the hospital one time, and 
got it, Thor, and maybe another crew member came, and he was, you know, needing some healing, and they did heal him. So there are aliens that can heal people. I know another abductee who, you know, who, you know, he's had abductions since he was a child. This fellow is Canadian. He was brought up on a Hutterite Christian farm community in Saskatchewan. I've met him on several occasions. He didn't want to be a contactee, but he moved on to some property in Saskatchewan that is, you know, they rented or purchased. And once they moved on to this property, all kinds of paranormal stuff was happening. UFOs were showing up over the farmhouse. There was a patch of of soil or, or a pasture where even the cows didn't want to tread. But anyways, Grant, as a young boy, was taken from his parents. Sometimes he disappeared, I heard, for, for several days or a week. The doctors were wondering what happened to this child. Why, why did he disappear and now he's back and so on. And so, uh, anyways, fast forward. Uh, other members of uh, his family started to have abduction experiences. Uh, initially, they were abductions, okay? Later, they became friendlier, you know, maybe... Uh, there were paranormal experiences of strange blue lights that showed up. You know, they were told to look out the window and they would see a UFO, things like that. Right. And so some of the experiences appeared to be, you know, more benign. Uh, Grant was told that it was impossible for him to have a child. He had a wife who was Filipino, um, supposed to have a Christian or Catholic background. Anyways, uh, Grant... Um, he is sometimes paranoid about that these beings can take him. But he did not have a child. He was told from his doctors he could not have a child. The aliens fixed him up, he told me, and he was able to have a child. I met this child uh, when he was maybe about, about three or four years old. And this child is very bright, very smart. And he says weird things to his dad, like, Hey, Dad, someday we're going to go to the stars. Okay? So, but Grant, please pray for Grant. He was actually getting close to, closer to the Lord. He was starting to go to church. He, was, uh, he heard the testimony of Al Matthews, who was a former abductee. He and Al became friends. You know, I tried to share the faith with him, and he, he started to go to church. Unfortunately, the church he went to, there was a, a woman who was a pastor who was sounded she was evangelical, but this church is a United Church. The United Church is a very liberal church, and this pastor was told uh, they didn't want her in the church anymore. Okay, to, to be the pastor. So, anyway, shortly after that, Grant left that church, and then he made contact with a Kabbalistic Jewish rabbi who poisoned his mind against the Christian oh faith. And then he didn't want to talk to Christians anymore. So he was starting to be open to the Christian faith, starting to go to church. Unfortunately, he didn't want to stay in this church because some of the people in this church had some very liberal you know, ideas. If you know anything about the United Church in Canada, it's very interfaith. They're open to Aboriginal spirituality. They're open to other religions, uh, yoga, meditation, you name it. They're... Yeah, it's not yeah, like a it's, unity church. Yep. Yeah, it, it's kind be. of like a unity church, yes. 
Right. Uh, but so, anyways, from my own perspective right now, I the UFO phenomenon has not disappeared. It's morphed. It's morphed into something yes. that appears to be more benign, more spiritual. Um, yeah, more appealing to people. Okay, because well, even think of how the the appearances of UFOs are now. In the days past, when they were you know just doing abductions, they would be out in the in the dark, remote areas at night. One or two people would see a UFO and then have an abduction experience. Now they're shutting down airports. You know, Chicago airport. The airport right. in China, That's right. you know, during a Mexican um, in Mexico, uh, uh, during an air show, masses of them show up in formations. I mean, they're not hiding themselves anymore. They're they're like they've shifted gears. Now they want to be in the public eye. Now they want to be seen. I mean, I remember a, a day and a time when the only people that understood a rapture was people that went to church and, and um, heard it from the church, from prophecies. Now, thanks to. Nicholas Cage's version uh, that he played in of the rapture, every person on this planet has some vague biblical-ish concept of a rapture. And this is where the gears have shifted. Come in contact so you can be chosen, so you can be taken. And like you said, that's where Jesus warned in Matthew 24. Women, they say, go into the desert, go into the secret place. Why did Jesus say that? Because someday a group of people are going to tell him to go there and do that. And that's what we're seeing now. This is all headed towards a fake, what I've been saying for you know several decades, uh, of a fake but real rapture of New Agers, not Christians. But, you know, Gordy, I mean, it kind of shows up in some of your things, but I don't think people know your background to know that um, when you're mentioning these different things happening overseas, you actually have been over there as a globetrotter. Man, I mean, all over Europe, all over Asia, um, yeah, I, uh, I went to, um, I did some re research of the New Age movement, uh, like in Scotland at the Finhorn community. And there were people at the Finhorn community, it's a major uh, New Age community in Scotland. Uh, it was started by people that uh, claimed they were making contact with nature spirits uh, and devas. Uh, devas are spirits related to Buddhism and spirits of plants, they thought. And uh, everything, you know, about this community is, you know, if you go there, it's not exactly like a scary cult, okay? I mean, people are hugging each other. They're singing songs like Christians in a circle right. in, in the cafeteria. Right. People, it, it seems like a very, but they're into contact with spirits of nature. Some of these spirits have convinced to, convinced in order to save the planet, you have to, yeah, be open to the spirits of nature like Pan. The god Pan has appeared <laughs> to people in the in the community, some of the uh, you know people that are considered higher level people in the community. And Pan has introduced himself as the devil. Yeah. <laughs> Even though he introduces himself as the devil, he says, well, that's just the way the Christians perceive You know, one of the years, the uh, Bilderbergs had their meeting in Feinhorn. Whether you knew that or not. Well, Lynn Caddy, which was who was one of the co-founders, uh, she spoke in Vancouver at the planetarium. I heard her speak. Some of the things she says sound Christian. Yeah. She says, we need to practice unconditional love for everybody. Okay. Right. They don't. Have a, they're not a, a heavy legalistic kind of cult or movement. Right. 
They believe that we need to love nature, love people, recognize their oneness, that all people are, you know, part of a human family. But hey, they also talk about the space brothers. Yep. <laughs> that we're, that we're, you know, we should be at one with them as well, you know, and you know, that these spirits of nature can teach us stuff. Gordon, now, have you ever? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but when, I'm an okay. old man, and when I get a thought in my head, I got to get it out before it leaves. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I don't want to talk. No, that's okay. Um, have you ever heard of? Well, I'm sure you've heard of the Ashtar Command. They they wrote a book uh, several years ago, and this was probably back in the late '80s. It was written by David Spangler, and there was a, there was a woman author actually, but um, and uh, the book was called Operation Earth or World Evacuation, I think it was called. And what you're describing was exactly what was in that book. I've I've told people that if I was a brand new believer in Jesus and I picked up that book, that I would believe it word for word because they they use just enough scripture, just enough Christianese, in order to get you to believe it. <laughs> now yep. the interesting part about this, well, that's interesting and enough. But uh, if you look at the cover, and and Jim, I haven't told you this, but they've changed the cover since I brought this out. I don't know if it's because oh, of me really? or. Uh, yeah, but the old cover of the book, Gordy, if you looked at it, it had a UFO hovering above the Earth and sucking people into it. But if you looked at the Earth, it's the continents were laid out like if you were to to look at the Earth from inside the Earth. So basically, what <laughs> they were telling you, reverse. and not a lot of people saw it, what they were telling you was that. Yeah, they're they're sucking people away, but they're sucking them down to the center of the earth, to hell, in other words. Mm -hmm. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Um, hmm. Uh, there's supposed to be a, a there's supposed to be a spaceship called Jesus. Uh, let's see. Oh, what's it? Uh, let me look it up again. But uh, there's supposed to be a, a spaceship that's supposed to be associated with Jesus now, according to Bonnie Meyer. Okay. Uh, he's there. Uh, there is a you know, some kind of UFO. Uh, James Truthseeker has been promised that he will be taken to a spaceship called Avalon. Uh, <laughs> right is King you know, Arthur Avalon up there? associated with the death of King Arthur? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, is King Arthur up there? Wow. Right. So, uh, yeah. Twelve nights uh, around the table. There's a good video about. Uh, of the, um, the Ashtar Command and the Galactic Federation. Um, it's on YouTube right now. It's a Christian video about the, um, it's called the, uh, the is it the Lives of the Ash, uh, Galactic Federation or something? Right. And it's pointing out that these these beings that are claiming to be part of some Galactic Federation. Uh, by the way, the, the term Federation is very interesting. If you look at the original Star Trek TV shows and later, you know, episodic uh, mm -hmm. uh, sequels and and movies. There's a lot of talk about this thing called the Federation, right? Yeah. Have you seen the ancient alien episode called The Mysterious Nine? Uh, uh, no, I haven't seen that one. you got to watch that because it deals with Gene Roddenberry. Oh, boy. Gene Roddenberry was part of a channeling group that was channeling a group of godlike aliens called the Nine. And some of the ideas that became part of Star Trek came from, from those this? channel sessions. But if you go, there's a Christian guy trying to expose that uh, on uh, on YouTube. But it just ancient aliens. It talks about um, 
that Asian alien episode uh, about the mysterious nine, they claim that these nine godlike aliens or godlike uh, yeah, aliens have uh, been involved with the human race <clears throat> for many, many years, uh, many, many centuries or millennia. But they have appeared in different forms. Maybe they appear as nine, you know, gods uh, of the pantheon. But anyways, in recent time, uh, they are the same nine that, um, you know, is trying to guide humanity into, yeah, a wonderful kind of, I guess, Star Trek type of future. And well, so, so the cosmic Jesus is coming back wearing a, a Star Trek uh, comm thing. They're going to beam everybody up and they're going to in, invite us to once we've reached uh, uh, faster than light speed, you know, because that's, that's the protocols. Well, well, They'll invite us to join the Federation. Well, <laughs> well, there is this idea that there is some kind of uh, galactic Federation. Uh, there's various terms sure. names for it. Oh, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm not joking, Gordy. I'm saying yeah. there might be an element of truth, just like that one movie, uh, uh, The Last Starfighter, where they yeah. actually incorporated into a video game uh, preparing youth who could be yep. worth to defend their sector of, a sector of the uh, universe. And so, yes. I mean, this kid, from playing the game and maxing it, he got up there and he knew exactly what to do, when to do, and how to do it, even better than some of the aliens that were already experienced combat veterans. So, Okay. You may have heard of what is called the Secret Space Program or Solar Warden. Mm -hmm. Have you heard of those uh, two terms? Right. But I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure the audience has. Okay. No. Okay. Let me, uh, about three or four years ago, there was... Uh, what are called secret space program conferences. One was in Amsterdam. Richard Dolan was at it. Uh, the fellow who wrote uh, uh, The Monuments of Mars. Um, oh, Dave, Dave Flynn? Um, uh, he had a website called Enterprise Mission. He, uh, he Now, Richard Hoagland, a scientist. Oh, Richard Hoagland. Richard Hoagland, yeah. yeah. But anyways, yeah. people like Hoagland and Dolan spoke at it. But there were people that were whistleblowers. Today, there are some... Uh, people that allegedly worked in the secret space program, program. One is a fellow named Corey Good, which David Wilcox has introduced to people uh, through Gaia.com and, and some YouTube channels. But, but and again, there some of these uh, people that were part of the secret space program, they claimed that they were under some kind of mind control. Uh, there's, you know, some of the technology for the secret space program come from recovered UFOs, uh, possibly even go back to Roswell and the Aztec crash. Uh, the book, The Day After Roswell by Philip Corsell, yeah. that things that were recovered back then in 1947 in Roswell were back engineered. Uh, Bob Lazar uh, tries to, uh, is confirming that, if you believe his story. I, I met George Knapp, who was interviewed, John Lear and uh, Bob Lazar, at a UFO conference in 19, I think it was in the 19, early 80s in Seattle. And he claims that what was happening at Area 51 was not, was confirmed by 15 people that he interviewed as a, as a TV journalist in Las Vegas, that they, these people were confirming Bob Lazar's story that some type of UFO technology was being back engineered. Now there's a new documentary uh, and video about Bob Lazar. So, anyways, 
Corey Good claims he's made contact with aliens, and some of these aliens are called the Blue Avians. They have a bird-like uh, appearance, but they have blue feathers. If you look at the book by Bonnie Meyer, Alien Contact, The Messages They Bring, she was one of the first contactees that on the cover of her, her book is a tall bird-like alien. And these bird-like aliens, whether you call them the blue avians or the ones that Bonnie met, they're supposed to be very spiritual. They are supposed to protect us from the evil aliens. They are the good guys. <laughs> okay. If you watch the film uh, um, Independence Day, the sequel, Resurgence, yeah, they show some sphere-like UFOs that are on the moon, and these beings—they're part of some kind of um, uh, uh, group of aliens that are supposed to be benign, and they're here to help us deal with aliens that are evil. Okay, that's what Corey Good is saying. Now his blue avians are bird-like; they're supposed to be benign. And Bonnie Myers' bird-like aliens that are on the cover of her book. Uh, there's a website called a Evidence for Alien Contact Revealed in Scripture. Okay, the weird because again she's has did not she has not denied uh, much of her Christian faith. It's just that she's mixing up ideas. She wants to blend it right, blend she's it blending in. Blending ideas that she's hearing from this spiritual teacher, uh, Leah L E A. She he might uh, she might be the one that looks like Spock. And so there's a blend of Christian. Again, uh, when I spoke to um, Dr. Strange's wife on the phone, she believes that Valiant Thor is an alien. So does Craig Campobasso. The reason why they think he's an, uh, an unfallen, and no, not alien, angel. Sorry, angel. Mm. Uh, oh, one of God's angels. Yeah, because he has, he is, he has no navel. He has no fingerprints. He's extremely telepathic. He can dematerialize his body. He's not a prisoner. He was not a prisoner in the Pentagon. If he wants, he dematerializes himself and goes somewhere else. Okay. So, and Dr. Frank Strange, this fellow, he's an evangelical minister. He was invited aboard this UFO, but then he was mixing Christianity with all the new teaching from Valiant Thor. You know, what gets, you know what gets me, Gordy, is, you know, how can they keep denying the simplicity of some of the scriptures? Paul clearly said, but though we or an angel come preaching any other Jesus other than that which we preach, let him be accursed. It's simple. It's very Preaching's, simple that there is no other gospel. Yeah, nothing. However, the Bible does warn of another gospel. Yes. No real... Another gospel, another Jesus, and another spirit. Yep. And that other spirit, another Jesus, is popping up all over the place. Yeah, you, you got at, it. If you talk about UFO cults, and cults like the Ethereum Society, the Aliens, uh, you know, uh, what's her name? Dr. Carla Turner, she was an abductor herself. She was right. uh, involved with the counterculture when she was younger, uh, but she and some other members of her family became abductees. But she was saying that she was meeting these other abductees that were meeting Jesus aboard a UFO. And this Jesus sometimes didn't look like your, your, your Jewish version of Jesus with, you know, darker hair and 
uh, Middle Eastern features. Uh, this new Jesus had blonde, Palladian, Nordic features. Oh, yeah. Figures. So, and uh, Billy Meyer, who was another contact, he claimed he met this Jesus. His name was Emmanuel, or there's a version, of, and it sounds like Emmanuel. Yeah. Again, these new, this new Jesus is passing on different uh, theology, different doctrines. Um, and uh, another, another thing that really has troubled me recently is that people, there's a lot of people that are having near-death experiences. Mm-hmm. They're called NDEs. Right. And some of these experiences seem to come from God. They, you know, they don't seem to contradict Scripture. But I've come across cases where people have near-death experiences. There's actually a website called Jesus Christ and Near-Death Experiences. Um, I think I sent this to you, uh, uh, Jim. But in this, people are meeting this other Jesus who claims that he can reincarnate people. If they right. Don't want, you know, uh, he says, and also, uh, when some people have this near-death experience, they see this being of light. This being of light can transform itself into Jesus, Buddha, and Krishna, according to the website. Right. And so this utter Jesus is experienced in near-death experiences. Yep. There's also a philosophy that's passed on, or a worldview that's passed on to some near-death experiences, that all is one. You know, we're all connected to God, we're all connected to each other. And and a one uh, a one uh, a near-death experience uh, uh, person I've spoken to, he's a pastor now, uh, he's, his, is Howard Storm. Have you heard of Howard Storm's testimony? No. I don't think well, so. Well, he was an atheistic art professor. He didn't believe in Jesus or God, but he had a powerful near-death experience when he was in France. He was on tour and showing students, you know, art in the museums and maybe he had a rupture of the stomach and, you know, and uh, stomach fluids and intestinal fluids leaked into his abdomen. It was extremely painful. So he wanted to be admitted to a hospital. In the hospital, he had a near-death experience where he was hearing voices begging him to follow. He, he went down this dark corridor he fought in the hospital. Then he's voices became more immediate and urgent and they were grabbing him and pulling him and didn't sound like the friendly voices initially he heard. So he was really freaking out. He thought he was being dragged into hell or a hellish region. And he cried out to Jesus. He called, you know, he said, what am I going to do? You know, I said, maybe I should pray. If there's a hell, I don't want to go there. But anyways, he prayed and asked him, Jesus to save him. Well, he claimed that this light appeared in the darkness and got brighter and brighter. And when the light revealed itself, it was Jesus. Now, that sounded pretty good that Jesus appeared to him. And then he was taken somewhere by angels or something and was given lots of teaching because what seemed to be a very short time in our time was a longer period of time. And he was introduced to Jesus again in this near-death experience. And then one question that Howard Storm asked Jesus is, is there life in the universe? And so Jesus says, yes, of course there is. And he, this Jesus starts to introduce to Howard Storm a whole bunch of different aliens. Some of them were human-looking, that were pleasant enough. Others were not. 
you know, human looking. They were, you know, maybe some of them were reptilian or insect like. And then the scariest aliens were these underwater aliens that were really creepy, you know, uh, and scary. And, he, and Howard says, enough. I don't want to see anymore. He was getting scared. Right. You know, by being introduced to all these aliens. Now, is this Jesus? Is this the real Jesus saying, you know, that he is, yeah, that he is the one who created all these different aliens, even the scary ones that were creeping him out? Mm-hmm. And yeah, then it's... I heard that, he, that the interview he did is on mine right now. That, that there was an Australian lady who was new age that interviewed uh, Howard Storm. And we we found out from that interview that uh, not only that, you know, you know, as Jesus introduced uh, aliens, but also um, this other Jesus. Uh, I, I think it was a different interview, another interview as well said that when he appears on their planet, he appears in their form. Can you imagine Jesus appearing as a reptilian alien? Yeah, or a jelly, a jellyfish, uh, an intelligent that jellyfish. That doesn't sound, you know, it didn't sound no. right. Now, I have to find that actual interview, but there was someone who heard another interview with Howard Storm, and he was talking about aliens, and then he was... This Jesus said, well, when I appear to them, I have to appear in their form, okay? And some of the forms that uh, Howard Stone was introduced that are alien were really scary. Now, I've heard this before. Have, have any of you heard of a book called uh, uh, The Beautiful, Beautiful Side of Evil? By oh, yeah. yeah Remember, yep. she was doing yep. silver mind control. She was doing a form of guided imagery where uh-huh. she was to imagine Jesus coming down this elevator shaft into a lab. And when the door opened, she was to imagine a spiritual master. And so she chose Jesus. And the first time Jesus appeared in this guided imagery, under uh, Jesus seemed to look okay. You know, there was um, too, nothing too scary. So she tried to do this again on her own. And when the door opened, Jesus steps out. But this time he has a face like a werewolf. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so... She figured it out. This is not Jesus. The Jesus that can look like a werewolf is not Jesus. Okay. And later on, she she was delivered of demons, and then she became a Christian. You know. Mm-hmm. So I heard her speak uh, at a, a discernment conference. Uh, you know, uh, I'm op- I'm open minded enough that if I could see Jesus introducing different angelic forms, but he would leave the viewer with the understanding that that's what they were. He wouldn't leave them believing that they were aliens. So that's not my Jesus. That's not the Jesus of the Bible. Because it's not lining up with what is consistently said about the cosmos, according to the Bible. I have no problem with physical, tangible entities of the angelic order being human and non-human, as long as they're being represented as that. But when you start saying that, no, they're aliens, like like they're other in, in need or of of redemption and so jesus is going to morph into i mean that's oh come on yeah that's yeah. a slider of bovine excrement if i've heard oh. any anywhere at any in, time in yes it sounds it just definitely sounds like another jesus yeah you, you know so um another person i, I, I uh, appreciate prayer for 
Uh, he is one of the founders of the original UFO meetup group. Uh, Brian had a Christian background. He used to go to a Pentecostal church, Broadway Church in Vancouver, for about a year. For some reason, uh, he left that church and drifted into Buddhism and became a Buddhist monk. Mm. Okay, But somewhere he, became, he picked up this interest in uh, UFOs and with some other people started. But he was the main organizer of the UFO meetup group. And he allowed me to share my research at the meetup group quite a few times. Right. And so we, you know, but, and I thought, you know, I, I sensed that he was open sometimes to the things of God. Uh, I, I asked him, do you believe there's a creator? And he said, yes. Uh, but he's been told um, that Jesus is just a tribal deity. Like a, he was just a, he's a God just for the Jews. Now, he he started to make contact as a Buddhist with beings that he were that he called devas. Remember, I mentioned the devas in relationship with the Finhorn community. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, well, the devas of his Buddhism were like angelic beings. He said that the devas started to speak to him. Now, it this he. As a Buddhist, he wanted to know if he has had a past life, you know, because he, most Buddhists believe in reincarnation. So he allowed himself to be hypnotized or brought into a past life regression experience with a woman. That woman's dead now. <laughs> but anyways, um, so he was introduced um, to the idea that in a past life, he was a former Nazi Luftwaffe pilot oh. that had swore and uh, um, swore an allegiance to Adolf Hitler. Okay, after he came out of this trance state, like I said, he was in an altered state, he started to, um, he started to say, you know, the devas now, they're directing me toward Adolf Hitler to <laughs> put posters of Hitler and Nazi flags in my bedroom. He started to study revisionist Nazi history he started to interview people that were Nazis in the United States. Um, he had a YouTube channel that has been scrubbed now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, for a while, yeah. he had a YouTube channel where he was interviewing, you know, people that were UFO contactees, uh, people that were neo-Nazis. But anyways, the more the Davis were interacting with him, the more he embraced Nazism. Okay, he still embraces Buddhist ideas, but he's talking more about Nazism now. Uh, he he shows up at public events here in Vancouver. Sometimes he's wearing a a, a Hitler mustache. He's combed yeah. his hair and his and his mustache to look like Hitler, and he's doing the Hitler Nazi salute. That he's doing the Nazi salute at public locations. And anyways. Pray for him because he, you know, he is a spiritual seeker, but he's allowed himself to get into Buddhism. And then Buddhism introduced him to, you know, past life uh, regression experience, uh, uh, beliefs. And now he believes he's a former Nazi pilot and he's promoting. He started his own secret Thule Society here. Here oh, on the West Coast, oh, and trying to get, re- recruit members to it. His UFO meetup groups are places 
people that come to this UFO meetup group initially were introduced to Buddhism. Now they're being introduced to neo-Nazi ideas. So when a person goes into an altered state of consciousness, they become very passive and very susceptible to whatever, whatever spiritual influence in fallen spirits there are out there. And, yes. But this is happening in the church. There is forms of prayer and meditation and guided imagery that are being introduced to Christians. The, the, the couple that had this yep. meet up, uh, this uh, meeting and that introduced Christians to uh, guided imagery of Jesus, the last conversation I had with this fellow uh, was that uh, everybody's going to be saved. He's embraced some kind of universalism now. He was uh, teaching the Alpha Course in his church. Okay, yeah. uh, people were coming to the Alpha Course. He was, um, anyways. His wife has suffered a major brain aneurysm. Okay, she can hardly talk and walk anymore. But he says the most important thing is love. Okay, well, I I agree with him. That love is very important. Yeah. You, do, right. you know, like right. Aline Caddy says, we should practice unconditional love. But in the Bible, love is runs parallel with truth. The spirit of God is the spirit of truth. Jesus yep. said the spirit would guide Christians into all truth. If it's really the spirit of God, you'll get a greater appreciation of of what Christ, who Christ is. You get a fuller understanding of, uh, you know, all that He is and uh, that He atoned. Absolutely, and it's through Him alone that we're saved. But now there's people that are being told by this other Jesus that there's many ways to to come to him. And in a near-death experience, there's another Jesus saying, there's many ways to get to heaven. You don't have to come through me. That means, hey, you can go through Buddha. You can go through Krishna. You can go through, you know, and maybe <laughs> uh, some type of uh, uh, what I call avatar. There's a concept of avatar in Hinduism, yep. that there are many manifestations of God. So if that manifestation is an alien uh, avatar, well, some people will fall for that. That's true. You know, um, a few years ago, Gordy, um, and somebody called, you know, um, said that they were, I had a lot of calls back then, people saying, you know, that they were being harassed by aliens. And and, uh, I got a lot of uh, opportunity to talk to people um, about the truth. However, this one lady called up, and I'm doing her real justice by calling her a lady because her foul language wasn't that nice. But um, she said that uh, I answered the phone, you know, and, and she says, hi, you know, are you so-and-so? And I said, yes. And uh, so she said, uh, you're wrong. Now, what are you talking about? She says, you're wrong. The name of Jesus does not work. I've tried it several times, and it does not work. And so I started praying because, you know, this was kind of starting to shatter my, my conception about uh, what we believe, you know. And um, so finally, I, I heard a little small, still small voice in my head tell me, ask her who she thinks Jesus is. And I said, OK, who do you think Jesus is? And she says, oh, well, he's the master of the universe. He is the universe. You know, he he is the uh, the yeah. ruler, you know, basically your basic uh, pantheism, you know, your uh, space uh, master thing. And, yeah. 
And Didn't she say that. she was the that uh, he was the Christ consciousness yes. as well? Yeah, yes, she did. yeah, yeah. That, that, that's yeah. kind of so, the key thing right there. Well, what, yep. what I told her is, I said, I said, now I understand. Now I understand why the name of Jesus isn't working because you're calling on the wrong Jesus. You're not calling on the Jesus of the Bible. You're calling on on. I said, basically, ma'am, what you're doing is is akin to. A Jewish person in the 1940s running into Gestapo headquarters and saying, help, save me from Hitler. You know, it's just not going to work because they were one and the same, you know. So real quick, I got to give her the gospel and then she got mad and hung up on me. But uh, and that's the way a lot of people think, you know, they they have a generic version of Jesus that they they think is Jesus or they've been watching the History Channel or or um, the travel channel so much with ancient aliens and other programs that are on that they think that that uh, that Jesus is the the Hindu or Buddhist Jesus, you know, the the all encompassing universe and everything else. And it's so important that that people realize that, yeah, like you said, there are masquerading pe- masquerading beings saying that they're Jesus, but there is only one true Jesus. So I, I bear yeah. a lot of witness to what you're saying. Uh, it, it is the truth and. Uh, not that I doubted it was, but um, but I'm glad that uh, you're saying it too because you know, a lot of people in the audience now are, are getting the idea that uh, that there are there are other uh, Jesus out there. As a matter of fact, he himself said that you know many will come in my name saying I am the Christ. And uh, yeah, that, I have a friend, uh, I have a friend uh, Ray Younger who's passed away, but he wrote a book called Many Shall Come in My Name. <laughs> uh huh. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, well, there's people do today claiming to be Jesus. There's a there's a fellow in Siberia, I think a former police officer who now claims to be Jesus. He has the robes. Oh, this Jesus also uh, seems to suggest that UFO activity over their community is something good. Yeah. This 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 is the Jesus of Siberia. Okay, and he's got about ten thousand followers, from what I've heard. You have the Jesus of the Realian movement. Uh, uh, who's very similar? To, uh, well, the Jesus of the Raelian movement is uh, Claude Vollyhorn. He claims to be like the replacement for Jesus, right. uh, the final prophet of the apocalypse, and so on. But his message is very, very interfaith. He claims he met Jesus on this other planet, along with uh, the prophet Muhammad, uh, Joseph Smith of the Mormon uh, Church, and so on. So he's been introduced to kind of an interfaith kind of belief system. Um, yeah, through his you know, alleged contact experience. Um, there's there's another one down in Florida who's uh, kind of a Hispanic version of uh, of uh, Jesus that uh, you know he's he's got another little spin, kind of a mixture of um, oh what is it um, what the Jesuit priests down in Central America, the liberation theology, right. a little bit of mixed communism, um, the other Mary worship sect. Um, Dave, I think you're familiar with that group. I can't remember. Rosa the Mystica is one of them. Yes, yeah. yes, that's it. Thank you. Yeah, so it's a mishmash of a lot of different isms, you know, that that he's supposed to be the, the king head pin of pinhead king or whatever. <laughs> so, yeah, it's. Yeah. It's you know, and we're warned: if you don't believe the truth, you're going to believe a lie, and people are just sucked right into it because they have itching ears. They're hearing something soft and pliable, not not what's real, not what's what's real is rather hard. 
here's a question. Have you heard of that there are contactees within the Vatican? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. They're, I mean, they're being set up to, uh, you know, when you, when you have their, the Vatican's chief of astronomy, uh, the Lucifer telescope, which, you know, Eric and I actually have seen up on the mountaintop in uh, Arizona. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, uh, it's ridiculous. They're getting prepared to pave the way to uh, a global acceptance. I mean, if the, if the Vatican actually, uh, the Pope actually spoke out and said that, you know, um, this cosmic crisis is a real Christ, how many of this world population would follow the Pope as opposed to the scriptures about the real Jesus Christ? A lot yeah. of people get duped, duped by that. Yeah. <clears throat> Dr. Jacques Valli uh, mentioned the Fata accounts in one of his books, and Elaine Marzulli uh, did some videos about uh, uh, what appeared to be the miracle of the sun at Fatima. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where right. they, with a beautiful dish-shaped object was dancing around in the sky. Yeah. And, and and the moisture on the ground drew up. But they thought it was a miracle associated with the apparition of the Virgin Mary. Well, you, know, um, you, you can look online, Gordy, and actually see... Um, Protestant services where they're, they're, the place is full of orbs and the pastor is saying that the orbs are the angels of God, you know, the God of the Bible, not the God of this world. And, uh, and that, you know, they, and the people start fixating on, on these uh, orbs and they start almost actually singing to or worshiping the orbs instead of turning their attention to Jesus. And that's why people come to the church, not, not to, to worship the real God of the Bible, the real Jesus, but to to see the orbs and to uh, to actually give them some kind of credence. Uh, there's a book uh, that was uh, published through National Geographic. The woman uh, um, Judy Bachrat had a background in journalism, and she worked for the Washington Post. But she uh, took the challenge by National Geographic to write a book on near death, uh, not just near death experiences, but people that have actually died that have come back from the dead. Some of these people were uh, dead an hour, up to four hours. Oh. One case was a doctor that was hit by lightning and died, and he became an orb of blue light in this near-death experience and found himself, you know, as an orb of light going through through uh, walls and, and buildings and so on. I thought, that is very strange. I never heard of decide that humans can be a ball of light but the orb phenomena has been noticed by a lot of photographers that are using digital cameras that are more sensitive to infrared right. yeah um, and the orbs you know I've, I've done experiments because I'm a photographer if you uh, you know get a dusty pillow and and you know kind of hit it in front of the camera and you have a flash on you will see things that look like orbs or sprites or something however there's a real phenomena that can be captured by uh, very sensitive cameras and, and video cameras that have night vision capability and there are paranormal orbs that cannot be explained by dust or you right. know, water droplets and these orbs can move sometimes they seem to have faces um, and yeah I'm not sure they, they, they could be demons there's yeah. something called Will of the Wisp that's described um, uh, in uh, you know fairy tales, and there's lights associated with cemeteries, ghost ghost lights. In the uh, Disney um, animation Brave, 
the little um, goddess princess is following this wisp, which is kind of a bluish light. And when she follows this little uh, wisp of light, she it leads her to uh, to a cottage that's owned by a witch, and she's being given uh, a way to uh, you know change her mother into a bear. Right. right. So there there are spirits that maybe can take on a form. Um, and like I say, Charles Lamoureux was seeing what he thought were UFOs, but they were of different colors uh, appearing to him, and they were scaring him a little bit. But now, yeah, somehow he's being convinced that they're all harmless or something. Yeah. I got a question for you, Gordy. Uh, you mentioned earlier that uh, one person had been taken away to an underground base in Switzerland. Are you familiar with CERN, and are you familiar with that tunnel and the ritual that occurred? Um, when when the tunnel was opened up and 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 uh, the things that have been happening yes. when CERN's turned on. Yes, I've seen uh, the video of the tunnel um, ceremonies. It looks very bizarre. Very you know, people dressed up as goats and strange cr- creatures. Uh, but the, the, the CERN, um, there are scientists at CERN, uh, and I think their CERN website says that they are t- seeing if. Uh, through CERN, whether there are other dimensions, and I think they are discovering that we live, you know, in an interdimensional universe. Right. And, but if you open up a portal to other dimensions, uh, there there are things that can come through that dimension. Yeah. And and now we have something called the Mandela effect that uh-huh. some people are linking with. Uh, have you you have have you heard of the Mandela effect? Oh, yeah, we yes. have. I just like yep. to get your thought of that. What do you think it is? It is strange because the Mandela effect, according to some Christians, appear to be changing our very Bibles, our English right. translations. It uh, has. It hasn't. I have gone through every claims they've made, and there's a logical explanation okay. for everything. Well, that's what some Christians are saying that there's no right. change. There's nothing in agreement. But I've heard other Christians saying they they don't recognize certain scriptures anymore. That. Uh, they, you know, that they are familiar with, uh, but it's not just scripture. It's it's movie scripts, uh, TV shows, movies, uh, well, labels. Um, any lie, yeah. any lie, any lie is going to have to have some element of truth in order to establish a foundation to to lie upon. So yeah. there are some things that have been altered. I know they have. Yeah. Berenstein stain bears or Berenstein bears sex. And the city, or sex in the city, uh, little trivial things that these things can change on the dime. It was Eisenhower? Is what I remember. I look on it, and the darn Franklin's on there, not Eisenhower. So yeah. little things like that do not change, uh, and, and doesn't create a paradoxical situation that destroys the old, the whole universe. There are little insignificant changes that can and have been allowed to take place to okay. establish this truth. But we're dealing with an enemy that is not bound by time. And certain trivial things can be readjusted. Um, even quantum physics will verify and, you know, that, that kind of concept. But the word of God, we are told. We are told that God has set things in an arrangement and that no man may add or take away. And then it says, Everything that is has already been, and everything that will be has already been, and God requires an account of that which is past. So this is yeah. in Ecclesiastes 3, 14 and 15. Right out of that scripture and word alone, we are guaranteed that nobody can add or take away 
without God's permission, without his sovereignty. And he has not allowed his word to be altered, uh, you know, from its original source. Now, sure, there's translations that are horrible translations, yes. but that still hasn't changed the original. Yeah, the, the original Greek and Hebrew where we, uh, we, were, we get our English translations, yes. I don't yeah. think those have been tampered with. They haven't changed from my research. Uh, yep. But there are definitely some very bad translations today. Oh, yeah. Are, 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 you know, I wonder, you know, if those changes that actually change sometimes our understanding of the gospel or the person of Christ, uh, if these are, are Mandela effects or whatever. Um, one is the, uh, you know, the uh, Isaiah eleven six. 6. Uh, I always thought it said the lion lies down with the lamb. Yep. And and a lot of people memorize that passage. There's a Christian art based on the eleven six of the lion and the lamb lying together. Today it says wolf lying down with the lamb. I don't. It always. Remember. I've been I, an ordained minister for forty three years. It always said wolf. It okay. always said wolf. Okay. Now, said the thing wolf. is, it's implied. You look at the context. Real. Yeah. You know. Uh, you know. Take a. a Real good look at it. It implies yeah. that also the lamb would lay down with the lion. It implies yeah, it's, that. So yeah, it's, it's they, implied, yes. they took that concept, and every every Sunday school has always shown you this picture because it's a it's a more clear picture. They had a hard time reconciling wolf yes. because wolf was a predator, you know, and so. You know, because we're always told about wolves in sheep's clothing. Already. So that made it a rather conflicting thing. Just like you wouldn't see a, a picture of Noah's Ark with now friendly, happy little animals going up in a rainbow over it. Um, they don't show you the other side of what happened when the ark was being filled and people were being left behind. So, I mean, that would be traumatic for children. So they've always glossed that over. But it's always said that. Always. It's just being implied, and so they interpret that because that's just the way you know we do things to make it you know user friendly for children and going to Sunday school and learning the little basic yeah. stories. So, but it's always said that there's other things that you know from the Septuagint to the Masoretic text. Now, I've always heard, oh, they you know changed the Bible because of political intent. No, they didn't. I I studied the Septuagint. I studied um, the Masoretic text. One is looking before Jesus, towards Jesus. The other one is looking back after Jesus. And so things are more detailed. So in Isaiah where it says that uh, uh, a young woman shall bring forth, as a sign to you, a young woman shall bring forth uh, a child. Now in the Masoretic text, it says a virgin shall bring forth a child. Now why would it say that? Because in the time of um, Jewish culture, in the time of Isaiah, Isaiah was told that as this personal sign to him, his wife, who was uh, a young woman, and a young woman is synonymous with being a virgin. So it didn't have to be clarified in any way like that. Uh, because in their culture that, you know, if you had a young woman, she was a virgin. So the word was synonymous. So it need no explanation. So in the Masoretic text, it needed an explanation because by then everything had gotten so diluted culturally that people didn't understand it unless they didn't use the word virgin. That word, in the strongest sense, young woman, meant virgin. But now they're looking at it within a different culture's eyes and a different time 
you know, a period in history, it needed to say that because that was the intent of the word all along. So we have theologians that argue, you know, oh, they changed. No, they didn't change it. One is this clarification. You need to know the cultural idioms. You need to know the societies of time and the history. All these factors have to be included in the study of of, of scripture. Yeah. I, I believe the scripture, as it was revealed to the people that uh, initially wrote it in Hebrew or or Aramaic or Greek, yep. uh, that those scriptures have not been changed. But uh, what is the problem today, uh, whether it's in the Catholic Church or some of the charismatic churches I've attended, is that there are certain people that are relying too much on what is called direct extra-biblical revelation. And right. when you have revelation that is not backed up by scripture, uh, you have a recipe. And that's what I see with this UFO stuff. People are meeting this other Jesus, you know, uh, spiritual teachers that claim to be alien. And these people think they are having a direct revelation with a spiritual teacher yes. that's sanctioned by God or something. And, yeah. and they believe the direct revelation like, if you know any of the history of the Jesuit movement, the Jesuit movement is a very mystical um, movement within the Catholic Church. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. They have something called the spiritual exercises that all Jesuits have to be initiated with and practice before they can become a Jesuit. And this present Pope, Francis, he's Jesuit. And he is giving a lot of extra biblical revelation to Catholics. Oh, that, yeah. That we can, uh, all you have to be is a good Buddhist, a good Catholic, a good Jew, a good, you know, a good Muslim. And that's good enough for, for to be saved. Yep. Uh, he's talking about the possibility that we need to uh, revise our view of who Jesus is if we're given uh, further um contact by aliens because they, the Catholic Church considers only the original sin and the fall happened on earth. So they believe that if there's aliens from some other place that God has created. Uh, they're not fallen. And that's why there's this perception that Valiant Thor is not a fallen angel. Mm -hmm. he's an, a, a being, an angel. Hang on one second. Hello? Who's this? Can I talk to you later? I'm on the phone or on Skype. <laughs> on <a> radio. <laughs> That's Al Matthews, and uh, well, we're hoping to have you on on uh, on uh, Skype with uh, Jim Winston in about a week or so. Okay. But, yeah, I'm talking to Jim right now and uh, David Rafino and <laughs> elsewhere. Okay. Okay. Bye. So, Thanks for calling, though. <laughs> yeah, we're hoping to have Al on uh, sometime. Uh, nice. You know, uh, uh, Jim helped to lead him to the Lord, and he's uh, walking with the Lord. But he's got some very interesting uh, cases and stories to tell you of, of from Aboriginal people here in BC that have seen UFO, uh, have had UFO and Bigfoot encounters, RCMP officers. He's got a, yeah, he's starting to see certain patterns uh, developing right now as well. And he's aware of the whole contactee phenomena. Yeah. And he also knows who uh, um, uh, this fellow is, uh, former Hunter Wright. Uh, and Doug, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, that's why, you know, it's very important to pray for some of these people that I've mentioned, because without prayer, and, and you know, I think prayer opens a person up to the Spirit of God and the revelation of God. Sure. We can't just talk our, talk these people into believing, unless the Spirit of God is working on their hearts and 
revealing the truths of the Spirit of God and Scripture, they're not going to have discernment. They're not mm-hmm. going to be able to see uh, you know, the light for the dark that they're in. You know, yes, there's... amen. Yeah, Paul Hellier, for instance, he has a Christian background. He mentions God, but he thinks that Islam is uh, is okay. You know, there's some moderate Muslims that are okay, and you know, he's he's been so deceived from his uh, you know kind of liberal um, church, uh, liberal United Church background, and also now he's being debriefed by all these people that are, are you know Sherry McLean's and others, and he's been to UFO conferences where he's been told. He's heard the thing of that there are certain people that are the chosen ones now. Right. Okay, he right. believes that there are benign aliens that are here to help us. He's not a dumb person, but he doesn't have discernment. Uh, in you know, he doesn't understand certain warnings and scriptures. In a lot of purpose-driven churches and churches, they don't even study Bible prophecy anymore. Right. right. I, I've been to churches in Vancouver. And they're uh, what are called their study groups afterwards. And they're saying, oh, we don't study the, you know, the book of Revelation and prophecy because they say it's too controversial. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and these are churches that are, are being called emergent or purpose driven church. And even some of the evangelical churches have gone to, they don't study Bible prophecy and all the warnings about the deception and the end times. Right. That's right. So, right. so anyways, there's a lot of prayer that's necessary for a real move of God. And we got to get back to what the Bible actually teaches and not just uh, relying on direct revelation. There's too much direct revelation now in charismatic and other churches. Yeah. And it's it's going to create, you know, it's going to create a, a greater apostasy. <laughs> well, like you said, it's no discernment. You're, everything has to go back to chapter, text and verse or book, chapter, text and verse of the Bible. Um, people have asked me before, well, you know, how do you know? How can you tell? Know God's word. Know, not just know God's word. Know him. Be led by his spirit. He is the spirit of ever and truth. If you know a lot about God, but you don't know him personally, you're going to be deceived. you got to know the mind of Christ. When you know the mind of Christ, man, things just, scripture pops up to you right away. As soon as you're in a, a compromising situation, the word of God comes to save your bacon from the, from the fallacies because it doesn't line up with the word of God. The more you know it, the the safer you're going to be, especially knowing several simple things. One, knowing that you are loved, you are protected and provided for. And loving his love above everything else, you learn how he protects you, what he can do for you, what the promises of God are. So there's no emotional response that you have to react to any threat that comes against your faith. Nothing can seduce you, nothing can entice you, nothing can scare you or anger you or frustrate you into making a decision because that's not God. But God gives you a peace that passes all understanding. It gives you a strength beyond your own ability to see clearly the right from the wrong and make a decision based on not your emotions, but on God's word, which is uncompromising, unchanging, unaltered. Right. Yes, the spirit of God is the spirit of truth, but this other spirit that people are encountering yeah. is the spirit of seducing spirits and doctrines yes. and devils. Right. And, and, um, and it appeals on your emotions. Make an emotional decision. Make a decision based on, you know, you can have this gushing heart. Oh, they're so friendly. Look at the beauty in their eyes. Look, at They're so lightful yeah. and shining. Yeah, so is a 
piece of crap. That's what the Bible is warning. A, a angel marvel not because Satan can appear as an angel of light. Exactly. Uh, it is more powerful when they appear as a being of light or yeah. an angel of God yeah. when they then appear as a, a horrible looking alien. <laughs> you know, that's... And, so, and God is not in all and all in God. Cuckoo, cuckoo, I'm the egg man. No, no, no that's right. it doesn't work that way. Jesus spoke more about hell than any other subject. Why? Because it's a real place. And not everybody's going to heaven. Right. And if you don't get your ticket to go on the bridge back to where you really belong, heck, you don't even know where you're at right now. So how do you know where you even belong? That's you don't very have interesting, Jim, because I spoke to a fellow who's a, a kind of a Christian mystic. Yeah. Community uh, on Bowen Island called Rivendale. This community was started by a person with a Baptist background from a wealthy uh, family here in Vancouver, uh, the Bentall family. Anyways, uh, she went on some trips to uh, various countries, and she came back herself, you know, with this kind of more interfaith uh, and mystical uh, mm-hmm. worldview. Anyways, I spoke to one of the fellows that worked at um, at Rivendale. And he said, I don't need the Bible anymore. And I said, you know, and he said, why? He said, he said, the Bible is a paper pulp. It's we don't need, you know, once we. Yeah, the Bible is OK. You know, we read the Bible. It's like the boarding pass. Uh, and once you're on the plane, you don't need the boarding pass anymore. And so they emphasize direct revelation from God. <laughs> well, how can you tell this revelation is from God or not if you've thrown away the the, the specific revelation of scripture. Absolutely. And that's exactly what they're doing. But this is happening in quite a few different churches now. Um, uh, one sign that it's not the Holy Spirit is that when you're under the inspiration or anointing of the Holy Spirit, you do not have to throw away your brain. You yes. don't have to lose self-control. Uh, one of the fruits of the Spirit is temperance. Uh, but in some uh, churches that are running the Alpha Course in England and Canada, there's people that are speaking in tongues after a so-called laying on of hands. They can't stop speaking for half an hour. It's almost like uh, they have a motor mouth. And something is, <laughs> is using their tongue to speak in tongues. They don't know what they're saying. And then they feel they've had this powerful I heard a uh, uh, a charismatic prophet speak in a church a few years ago saying that he, when he prayed for tongues, he could not stop praying for half an hour. My friend Eddie has uh, had a girlfriend in the Philippines, and they had this special healer at one of their uh, conferences, their gatherings. When this healer was praying for people, you could see this orb of light going around his body or around the people he was I never saw that before, you know, <laughs> no, or but like, but this girlfriend of my friend, Eddie, she said, oh, when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I couldn't stop speaking in tongues. Well, if it's the genuine gift of tongues, you're not, you can control your voice. Yes. Right. The spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. You cannot, you do not have to lose control, but they think it's more spiritual not to be in control. And I spoke to New Agers, uh, one New Ager at, at Mount Shasta, um, and he said to me, oh, you know, it's, it's really bad to be intellectual. You know, don't use your brain. That is going to interfere with your spiritual growth, is what he told me. So that's a recipe for deception, not growth. Yeah, it is. It is. So, yep. 
You know, we don't become so open-minded that our brain rolls out our ears. Yeah. We, we walk circumspectly. We walk, um, um, you know, considering everything. And we walk with foresight, knowing that there's cause and effect, and we need to get it right. Yeah. Uh, well, one more know. thing that, uh, that uh, may be related to this. Um, in a lot of churches and spiritual movements, we have uh, the possibility uh, that if the, the person leading this movement or church or whatever, or uh, if he is claiming direct revelation as the source of his authority, often in churches or movements with people like that in charge of the church, I've noticed that these people are not subject to correction. If you do not submit to their authority and to their teaching, you're told that you're not submitting to God. Yep. Okay, I've, I've been to churches, charismatic churches, where that the apostle of the church was saying that there was no room for discussion. They did not acknowledge that Jesus Christ was the head of the church, not this prophet or this person claiming to be an apostle. And so there was, in the true church of God, Christ is the head. We are body, members of his body. We cannot say we don't need you. We need to listen to people. We may not always have to agree with people. But if we don't even bother listening to people when people give you a warning, you know, from Scripture, uh, and um, there's, well, that's a recipe for uh, churches to become cults. Exactly. And cults usually yep. have charismatic leadership or some yep. person that is beyond correction, and everybody has to submit to this so-called leader. But the UFO cults have that characteristic as well. A lot of uh, religions today have people that are considered to be, let's say, um, gurus, spiritual masters, and you just can't question them. But this should not be in the church where no. you have a pastor that's infallible. Or, or uh, hang on, hello, Cordy, we got. Go uh, on, can man. I call you back? I'm just okay. I'll call you back. Uh, that's a friend. Uh, our, uh, listen, we've covered so much already. Have we overloaded people with too much information? No, no, but we only got two minutes left, so we want to probably okay, give well, listen, contact listen. information for you, and um, then we have to wrap it up. And then, uh, and okay, also well, ask if you want to come back on again, because I think we got a lot more to talk about. Uh, well, oh, next, sure. Well, uh, maybe next time it'll, uh, we can have Al Matthews on at the same time, or he, I want him to say uh, a lot from his own observations and his research and. He's been a Christian a number of years ago, and I think it'd be nice to hear his uh, testimony oh, and, and uh, yeah. what's he, what is he, what he has learned since then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds good. But also you too. I, I you know, I want to spend some more time with you because I think that we've we touched the beginning or the uh, top of the iceberg, and I think there's a lot, lot underneath. You know. Well, I I think next week we can have them tag team. We can have both of them in if uh, Skype will, will allow us to have that many oh, people. Yeah, definitely. Okay, cool. Good. Let's yeah. go for okay. it. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. Let's say next week. I'll see if uh, I'll call Al back tonight and see if he's free for next week. Yeah, we uh, need to get uh, his. We need to get his uh, name. You know, his screen Skype. name. His Skype. Okay. So we he can be have up. Skype. He has to come to my place, and we'll work on. We'll use my Skype. Okay. okay. All right. Uh, that'll. Before, yeah. before. Sure. That'll work. Okay. Well. Uh, yeah. Well, we covered quite a bit, and I just hope that you know people will pray for these people I mentioned and. 
and pray for you know true reformation revival in the churches because if there isn't we're going to see more apostasy well the thing i like gordy the thing i like about your ministry is that you have not lost focus on things that i think too many have even as watchmen or investigators we get caught up with with uh, the details sometimes of the whole ufo alien phenomena and it is a fantastic subject but the one thing I like that you stay focused on is, hey, this is all bait to catch fish, where where our assignment is to go fishing, bring people into the kingdom. You've always had that focus, and that's why uh, I I think you just uh, – uh, Yeah, about fishing. Share. <laughs> one thing, last other thing about fishing. Um, the UFO phenomena acts like a fishing lure. Right. It does. It's it's bright. Yep. It's flashy. Yep. It looks like something good. Um and if you get too close to the phenomena, you'll be caught. Yep. And it, right. and sometimes it's not catch and release anymore. <laughs> yeah, there's a big barb on that hook, that's for sure. Yeah, there's a big barb on the hook, so people have to be very careful when they open themselves up in altered states or when they're seeking contact with uh, what beings that they think are aliens yep. or spiritual, uh, you know, spiritual teachers from these other dimensions. So Gordy, give us uh, some, if, if you want, give us some information where people can get a hold of you, what your ministry is about, stuff like that. Well, you've already explained what your ministry is about, but how they can contact well, uh, you. Well, my, my phone number and contact used to be on the Papsi uh, website, but I don't know if it's still there. If it's still there, uh, my phone number and my email address is up there, but I may have to give it to you again. Uh, it may not a good be there idea because I don't know what's there anymore. Okay, well, uh, I'll, I'll give it to uh, I'll give it to you somehow, you okay. know. Uh, okay, next time, or uh, maybe by email. Um, I don't have your email uh, address, uh, David, so uh, maybe uh, somehow I can get that. I can I can send it to you via Skype. I'll just send you. A okay. Message. Okay, great. And I've got um, I got Jim's um, email address and phone. Yeah, we got to stay in touch this time because we fell out of touch, and I I think about you often. I really do. <laughs> I'm like, I wonder what he's doing, what he's up to. And tonight we we found out, and and uh, we'll we'll just keep in touch from now on, and not not let that uh, go by the wayside. But uh, yeah, it's good to have fellowship among uh, believers, and and you know, you can't be a watchman by yourself. <laughs> <It's>, no. <laughs> So, they only watch one wall. <laughs> that's right. They only watch one one location at a time or one area at a time. Sometimes, that's so we right. have to listen to what other watchmen are doing, and, yep. and what. So okay. Okay. Well, thank you, Gordy. Thanks for coming on. And uh, man, it's been a pleasure to listen to you and talk with you and fellowship with you and and uh, be blessed until the next until we meet again, my brother. Okay. Thank you for the time, both of you and everyone else. And. Uh, and I appreciate all your prayers for these people I mentioned. All right, Corey. Good night. Good night. Okay, good night. Good night. Okay, folks, that's it. We're going to close the show off. So see you next week. And uh, I think we're going to have another surprise guest on next week. So um, be there, be square. So good night, y'all. Good night, everybody. Good night. God bless.